Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 274. Today is September 28th, 2018. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, the end of September is upon us. And before the week was out, I just wanted to get in one more quick episode. I still have a long, long list of all the listener questions and the topics that you wanted me to comment on and kind of focus going forward as the Wellsteading Podcast has been celebrating our fifth year. And I'll tell you, my list of listener questions is a lot like my honeydew list. There's a lot on there, but not all of it gets scratched off. But hey, we're going to put a dent in it today. I want to talk to you about a really important topic. I often receive the question about budgeting and what budgeting software I use or what app I recommend or people asking me why I don't talk more about budgeting and, you know, budget this, budget that, budget, budget, budget. You know what? I don't talk about budgeting for a particular reason. It's a very good reason. I don't know anything about budgeting. I've never budgeted. And I know you're saying, oh, John, that's because you're sitting on that big pile of money. You don't have to budget. You can just buy what you want. No, you see, I've never, ever budgeted. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't go to college at Yale and belong to Skull and Bones and have a trust fund. Come on, I joined the Marine Corps at 17 years old. I've built my wealth because I've learned how to earn and how to save and then how to invest it in that order. But you know, even way back 1979 when I was a young private in the Marine Corps and I think I was making $410 a month, I didn't budget and I was never broke. I can remember we'd get paid on maybe like a Friday. And I think back in those days, you know, maybe we only got paid once a month, twice a month. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. But I know we'd get paid on, and, and maybe we'd get paid on a Friday. And again, this is back in the dinosaur days. You actually got a check. There was no direct deposit or anything. And guys would take their paychecks Friday afternoon. You know, they'd be headed out the gate off post. They'd go to one of those little check-scamming places, check-cashing places that was located right off post because these guys weren't smart enough to have a bank account. And they'd cash their check, and, you know, they'd get a measly couple hundred bucks, and they'd have to probably pay $10 or $15 to get it cashed. And then you'd see these jokers Sunday morning standing in the line at the mess hall, or Sunday afternoon probably, and they'd all be complaining about, how they wanted to go into town and get some good food instead of having to eat in the, in the mess hall in the Marine Corps, but they didn't have any money. And they'd look at me and they'd say, oh, Pug, you're broke too, right? And I'd say, yeah, right, yeah, I am. Shoot, I wasn't broke. These guys had drunk away their paycheck in a day or two. I not only hadn't gotten around to cashing that check, I probably had two or three others that were sitting in my footlocker back in the barracks that I hadn't got around to cashing. Well, how did I do that, though, without budgeting? You see, in my opinion, building wealth isn't about how you can budget and finance your life. It's simply about having the discipline and, I guess, developing the skill of not spending what you make. In fact, not only not spending what you make, not spending a considerable amount of what you make. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I was a Sergeant E-5. I made, I think, $11,000 that year. I had more than $10,000 in my savings account when I got out. And that was my seed money that I was going to use to, you know, go on with my civilian career, whether it was go to college or start a business or or travel or whatever I was going to do. Well, I did end up going to college. I had that $10,000 in my bank account. And there were a lot of things that I could have bought with that. Could have bought a new car, could have went to a more expensive university, 
Could have went to a university located in a really cool place. I didn't do any of those things. I went back to Pennsylvania where I was from. I went to a state university. I saved my money. I got summer jobs. I got part-time jobs. I joined the reserves. I joined the ROTC program. And over my four years of being in the university, not only did I not deplete my $10,000, I guess today what you'd call an emergency fund, but back then it was just my savings. I didn't call things emergency funds. I just had savings. Well, I didn't deplete that. By the time I graduated in four years, and yeah, and oh, by the way, I did graduate in four years. I didn't take six years or I wasn't on like the nine-year graduation plan. I got my bachelor of science degree in four years and I graduated with not $10,000 in my savings account, but with $20,000 in my savings account. And when I graduated and when I knew I had a job lined up, I went out and bought a new car because the one I'd been driving was on its last legs. And all my friends went out and they got cars too. I remember back then, I think the two most popular things people were buying, they were either buying Mustangs or they were buying pickup trucks. So they either wanted something that was, you know, a fast muscle car or they wanted a manly, you know, big old truck. That's too practical for that. You know what I bought? I bought a Volkswagen Golf that... I don't remember. It was a hatchback. I think it had a five or six speed manual transmission. I bought it because it fit my needs. It got great gas mileage. It was very affordable. It cost me $9,000. I paid for it in cash. It wasn't sexy like the Mustang. It wasn't manly like the pickup truck. But you know what? It was very good quality transportation and it met my needs for the next seven years. And in fact, the only reason I got rid of it when I did seven years later was because my wife and I were having our fourth child and we didn't fit in that little Volkswagen Golf anymore. So we had to upgrade to a bigger car. I'd have kept that car for another five or six years. It was a low maintenance, very economical car and it fit my needs. So yeah, way back when I was poor, I still didn't budget. And that $10,000 cash reserve that I had way back then, that was an excessive amount of money back in 1983. That was a whole year's pay for me as a sergeant in the Marine Corps. So that was a lot of money to have. But that $10,000 is a good amount to have in your, quote, emergency fund today. I've never had less than $10,000 of readily available cash in case something unexpected comes up. It doesn't have to be an emergency. It can be good news. It can be, hey, your wife's pregnant and you're having a new baby. Well, that's not an emergency, but you certainly are going to need $10,000. It could also be an opportunity that arises, right? You have the opportunity to buy a business or start a business or move across the country and and take on a new opportunity. But you couldn't do that if you didn't have that $10,000 handy. I don't talk much about emergency funds because I really don't like that whole mentality. It's a mentality of failure. Because I'm not saving for emergencies, I'm saving for my future. And I don't think my future is going to be full of emergencies. I think it's going to be full of opportunities. So I'd rather call it an opportunity fund rather than an emergency fund. And how much you have in that checking account or savings account or you know wherever you want to keep it, there's no magic number, but you have to have enough money in there to keep you from going into credit card debt. So whether you have $2,000 or $5,000 or three months savings in your emergency fund, I don't think any of that matters. What is critical is that, is that that opportunity fund, that emergency fund, should be there to prevent you from having to put a balance on your credit card. Because that's always what happens. People are living paycheck to paycheck. They think they're doing just fine. But then an unexpected event comes up. 
something happens at work and maybe they get laid off for a few months or maybe they get sick and they have to go to the emergency room and they have a big medical bill they have to pay or their transmission blows out on their car or their shingles blow off on the roof, you know, whatever it is, some unexpected expense comes up that's two or $3,000. They don't have that money readily available. So what do they do? They put on their credit card and because they're living paycheck to paycheck, they can't pay down that balance. They want to, they try to, they have good intentions. They don't have the cash flow to do it. And so that credit card debt keeps compounding at 16 or 18% interest a year. And along comes another emergency. And then another two or $3,000 gets put on that credit card. And you see the pattern developing, right? And pretty soon they've got 20 or $30,000 of debt on that credit card. And then they've dug themselves into a hole it's too deep to get out of. Well, how do they get into that mess of living paycheck to paycheck? I think it's because of budgeting. I think budgeting sets you up for failure. Because when people budget, they budget optimistically, right? It's biased towards good things happening. And every time they write down their little expense item on there, it always comes down to affordability. How much can I afford? How far can I stretch my paycheck? And salesmen use that against you. You go to buy a home or to buy a car, and what's the real estate agent or the car salesman going to say? Oh, you can afford this. Look, it's only a monthly payment of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure, you can afford it, but that's not the question to ask. It's not about affordability, because if you're always planning for affordability, you're going to stretch yourself too thin. You're going to end up budgeting to spend your entire income, and then inevitably what's going to happen? Your plans are going to go awry. Something unexpected is going to happen and you're not going to have the money to cover the deficit. And so you're going to have to go to that credit card and that begins the debt cycle, which destroys people. So what do you do instead? You do what I did nearly 40 years ago when I was in the Marine Corps, where I never asked myself, could I afford it? Of course I could afford it. The question wasn't about affordability. The question wasn't about, did I have enough money in my wallet or enough money in my savings account? Or was I earning enough money to stretch it out in payments and get a loan for something? Now, that was never the question. The question I asked myself was, does this purchase advance my freedom? You see, money is just an expression of your time. It's like potential energy. You've heard me talk about this in past episodes. I need to start talking about it more because people just miss the, miss the whole point of it. Money is potential energy. It's like a wound up spring. It's waiting to be used. And that energy that it represents is your time. Because how do you make your money? You make your money by putting forth your time and talent to get paid for things. Jobs that you perform, products and services that you provide. So any money that you have in reserve, any money in savings, that's money that you can use to buy time to not have to work. But it goes beyond that. Because it's not about just buying your time so you don't have to work. It's putting that money to work for you. Letting that money be your slave. Letting it go out and earn more money, which is more time and freedom for you. And that's the mentality that builds wealth. So don't sit down with a budgeting app or a spreadsheet and figure out to the dime or the penny what your monthly payments can be. You don't want to afford yourself into the poorhouse. What you want to focus on is saving your money so that it's available for you to put to work for you in the future. Look at my past. How did I get to where I'm at today? Well, as I prepared myself and as opportunities came along, I had that money in reserve 
to invest it, to invest it in me, to invest it in my education, to invest it in the stock market, to invest it in real estate, to invest it in countless opportunities. And when I did that and I got good results, I made more money. And again, I had the discipline not to go out and spend it all. I rolled more of that money back into my investments. I got better at it. I made more money and I rolled it back in. And so as the opportunities came available, I was always able to take advantage of them. I didn't ask myself if I could afford something. I asked myself, is this purchase gonna advance my freedom? Because at the end of the day, that's what I wanted. I wanted financial freedom. I wanted to be able to get up every morning and call my own shots. I wanted to live where I wanted to live. I wanted to work with people that I wanted to work with. I wanted to spend my time doing things that I wanted to do. To me, it wasn't about material purchases or keeping up with the Joneses. For me, it was all about freedom. And that's why when I talk about my 10 wealth building principles, the 10th principle is wealth is freedom. And speaking of freedom, well, we're going to pick up on that thought on the next episode because that's where I'm going to answer your questions about early retirement. Well, hey, before I sign off, let me remind you, as I announced in the last episode, and if you haven't heard that yet, go back and listen to the very beginning of episode 273. And that's where I mentioned I'm thinking about putting together kind of just a weekend ad hoc boondocking event. And I've heard from a couple people, if you have interest, you know, there's no details yet, but if you have interest, if that's something you may want to do, get in touch with me. And I want to see if something like this is worthwhile putting together. And oh, by the way, if you're not available then, or you don't want to go to Arizona, but you would be interested in some kind of an event in 2019, well, hey, let me know about it. Let me know what big city or metropolitan area you either live in or one that you would be willing to travel to. And if we get enough interest, I'm definitely on board for going out and visiting some people. 